KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. Today is Friday. Yud, uh, Yud Gimel. Tammuz, Erev, Shabbat, Kodesh, Parshat, Balak. This is Ezubek, the Erev, Shabbat program for Parshat, Balak. The end of today's parsha. We have a story of Zimri and Pinchas. The Pasuk sums up the number of people who died in the in the plague that resulted from the sin was 24,000. A number of Mephashim were attracted by the phrase and the number of people who died in the Magifa was 24,000. And they thought that it's a, it's a strange expression. It should have said, Vayamutu Bamagifa. Why does it say, Vayuamitim Bamagifa? Or a somewhat different question, which was asked by Shagafaival, who was a Magid in, uh, he was a Magid in the time of the, of the Gon, uh, a little bit before the Vilna Gon. Uh, he asked on the way the Pasuk, it's a very short Pasuk, and it's divided into two. There's an Atnachta, Vayuamitim Bamagifa, Abavesrim Aleph, and, uh, the Atnachta. A pause on the word Magifa uh, divides the Pasuk into two. Whereas it's just one phase, there aren't any two phases here. It should have said, What does it mean? And the number of dead people in the Magifa, 24,000. Uh, somehow this Pasuk has attracted a lot of attention. The answer that Rav Shagafaibo Misamagan gave to this is a principle that. Uh, has been told in different ways a number a number of times. And he said as follows: Even when the Kashpochu is punishing Amisa, so this chet of the benot benot Moav, the daughters of Moav, and the licentiousness that took place. So, for whatever reason, the the punishment was that twenty four thousand people should die. Have a remember where people die naturally. We're in the desert, and the Jews are dying off as part of a natural process. So as part of God's goodness, he after making the rule, the punishment that twenty four thousand people should die, he included in the twenty four thousand those who would have died anyhow, those who were dying naturally. And therefore the Pasuk is Vayuhamitim. And the people who are dying are included in the plague. 24,000. So it's two different, that's why there's an atnach, the pasuk is broken into two. First of all, it's a statement, not, and the number of dead people in the plague were 24,000, but, and the dead people are included in the magifa. Next point, altogether, 24,000. This vote was, uh, it, it's, from the same period of time, was told also by Yosef Sundul Misalant, was dying in Yerushalayim at a time of a cholera plague. Many, many people were dying, and he was old. People didn't know he was dying, but he was apparently, he knew he was at the end of his life. And uh, he asked the same question. He says, why is it saved by you and And he said, and answer in the name of Chaim Balazhana. So Chaim Balazhana is a student of the Vilna Gaon. It's more or less in the same uh, period of time. He gave the same answer. That Chesed Gadome Et Hashem. 
even when there's a magifa, even when there's some sort of a plague, and people are dying, but the Kaddish Baruch Hu includes those who are dying naturally in the number, and therefore it says, Vriba mitim magifa, and that day of Yosef Zundel died, and apparently he was saying it about himself, that his death in the time of this cholera epidemic in Yerushalayim, a uh, hundred years ago, should should take away, should be included in the in the punishment of Amisal, and therefore someone else would be saved. And the Vilna Gaon himself, the the way the story is told in the, in the book Aliyot Eliyahu, which is a collection of Votim um, sayings of the Vilna Gaon, so it, it's written there that the Grav wrote that he one day. Of Shagafaivul Mismaragan, the person who said this vote that I quoted before, came to him in a dream after he was already dead, and to say to him, he was sent Minashamayim to wish the Gaon, to wish to build the Gaon, Shalom Aleichem. Shlama Rabba Min Shemaya, to bring him a Shlama Rabba Min Shemaya, a greeting of peace from heaven. And why was that? Because that day he had said a Chiddush, he had said a very, very true. Emes HaChidosh in Torah, and therefore he was sent to say um, to say a Chidosh. And um, in another story that's told, another version of the same story, it's told that Rav Shraga Fiber was asked, why was he picked to send this story? And he said, because I once also said a true Chidosh. A true Chidosh is the vote that I just told you. The one about, so since I once said something true, I was sent to wish the Gon, um, when he said something which was told interestingly enough the Gva himself has a similar vote in another place the Pasuk by Itziat Mitzrayim Moshe tells the Jews they should stay indoors put the blood on the doorposts uh, eat the Korban Pesach and when the firstborn of Mitzrayim were being killed God will not let the the mashchit, he will not let the destroyer come into their houses to destroy. The Quran asked, what destroyer? The Pasuk says that God himself killed the firstborn. As we say in the Haggadah Pesach, Ani, velo malach, Ani, velo saraf, Ani, velo hashaliach. I, myself, God says, and not a, a messenger or an angel or anybody else. So if God was killing the Bukhar of the, the firstborn of the Mitzrayim, then what does it mean, lo yitain la mashchit? the destroyer to come to your houses, the Jewish houses. He should say, I won't let myself come. So the Gras said, no, of course God wasn't going to kill the Jews. He, he said, I'm killing the non-Jews, I'm killing the Mitzvah, I'm not going to kill you. But at the same time, some of you are going to die anyhow. The Malach HaMavet was coming naturally to some of your houses. But in order to increase the comparison, the distinction between the Jews and the Mitzvah at this time, not only will I kill the firstborn of Mitzvah, and of course not kill your firstborn, but I won't let the Malach HaMavet enter your houses to kill anybody. Uh, it's the opposite vote. In other words, the, the vote of Rav Chaim Valajan, of was that when there's a Magaifa, so we count the natural deaths, God counts the natural deaths as part of the plague. Here the Gras said the other way around, when there's a non-plague, when there's a salvation, so God keeps the, keeps, takes out the natural deaths. He includes natural non-deaths. The, the salvation prevents natural deaths and not only, uh, the deaths that would have been associated with the Makat, Makat HaBcholot.
the principle that arises from this is in fact a very important principle. I think this is one particular example that even when there's din, there's chesed. There's a halacha that says, When you, a court, is killing somebody, capital punishment, Make sure that he dies in a humane manner. Uh, even when doing din, it doesn't mean there's no rachamim. Even when God is doing din, but it may not be enough to to uh, abolish, to, to suspend the punishment. But there are ways to punish which also exhibit some amount of chesed. That's the way of God. And it's also meant to be the way of man. We now turn to our weekly uh, episode, Harav Binyamin Tavori. And this week's Gadol is the Sha'agat Aryeh. The Shagasarye, whose yard site, I think, perhaps, a bit of a controversy in the sources here, but apparently there's a good chance that his yard site falls this week. If not, it falls within a couple of weeks. Havav, Binyamin Tavori. This week we will discuss the famous Gadol named more, who is known by his nickname of the Shagas Aryeh, much more than his real name, Aryeh Leib Ginsburg. The, in the Luchot, the calendars that list off days of Yartzeit, have an interesting discrepancy about the exact date of his Yartzeit. Some say it's the end of Tammuz, and some say it's earlier, in, in, but also at the second half of Tammuz. Whether this date or that date is, pro- is is really correct, obviously the day of the Petira is in the end of somewhere in the end of Tammuz, and therefore we will talk about the Shagasari today. He was born in Minsk in 1695, and most of his life was spent in abject poverty. For a while he was a Ravan Valajan, but he left the town, apparently they could not pay his salary, and he spent most of his life wandering, not having an official position, and was extremely indigent. Stories are told about him, how he resented seeing other people who lived an opulent life, and perhaps he felt that the style of life in which he lived was the correct approach for a true Torah. When he was 70 years old, he was known as the Shagas Aryeh. He was known as the famous Gadol that even in his own generation was recognized to be one of the Yechidei Hador, to be one of the greatest of his generation. The Shagas Aryeh himself very rarely quoted contemporary scholars with approbation. The only exception that he made was the Vilna Gaon. And the Vilna Gaon apparently had a, a, a similar reciprocal appreciation of the Shagas Aye. In the book 
referred as Alios Eliyahu, which is a compilation in the name of the Vilna Gaon, it said that the Vilna Gaon said about the Shagas Aryeh that he could summarize and show the source of everything in the Gemara in one hour. People who knew him, who read to him when he was older and his eyesight was failing, they said they used to begin to read with him Shas, Rashi, without Rashi, without Tosfus, just to remind him of what it said. And as soon as they started reading the Gemara, he would say the whole thing by heart. And the same thing would go on when he quoted the Rif, when they quoted the Rambam, they quoted the Rush, they quoted the Torah, they quoted the Shulchan Aruch. It seems that everything, even including Rishonim, Shiltos, Halachas Gedolos, were known to the Shagas Aye by heart. When he was 70 years old, he was appointed finally to a rabbinic position in Metz, where he received the recognition and perhaps the salary that he so deserved. Legend says that when he became the rabbi of Metz, he told the people that I see on your face simcha, joy, that you hired me as the rav. On the other hand, I see also a feeling of sadness. And your feeling of sadness probably is because you feel that you hired a rav who is 70 years old. How long can he sit on the Kisei Rabbanut? How long will he be able to function as the rabbi of our community? I tell you now, said the Shagas that for 20 years you have nothing to worry. I will be the rav for those 20 years. And according to legend, he lasted 20 years as the rav of Metz. And as I said, he fell, he, he, he was nifter, somewhere in the end of Tammuz. Another legend has a very interesting story how he was Nifter. According to the legend, a bookcase fell on the Shagasaye. And he said, murmuring while he was took sick, took ill after this accident, he said that all the Svarim fell on him they represented all the people they had argued with all his life. All the Svarim, including Rambam, Rajbra, Shulchan Aruch, and Tur, were arguing and were somehow the opponents of the Shagas Ayeh because his approach to learning was very independent and argued and rejected many other opinions. And these Svarim, according to the legend, argued with the Shagasaye and almost demanded his life. The Shagasaye said he settled with almost every one of them, except for one. The Levush, apparently, according to this legend, refused to reconcile himself to the opinions of the Shagasaye, and therefore the Shagasaye felt he was doomed to be Niftar as a result of this accident. Many legends are told about the life of the Shagas Ayeh, including stories that he did not even own a Shas. He had to go out to borrow volumes. 
There were very few people in those generations who really could afford an entire shas. And very often he needed a gemara, he used to have to go to a certain place and borrow a gemara. Again, according to legend, there was a certain person named Reb Yitzchak who lived in Valazhin, who was rather a wealthy individual. And he, at great expense and great off effort, acquired a shas. He had an entire shas, which at that time was considered a major luxury. The arrangement was that the Shagas Ai would go to the house of this Reb Yitzchak and borrow any Gemara that he needed or use any Gemara that he needed. Reb Yitzchak himself passed away and his wife continued the tradition of her husband lending out the Sefer to the Shagas But the Shagas used to come very often and it was a great effort, a great tircha for him to go back and forth to bring a Gemara each time. So the, um, the Amana, the widow of this Reb Yitzchak, said to the Shagas Ayi that he could borrow the entire Shas. He could take it to his own house and therefore he would use it and be able to study without having to go back and forth to her house. The Shagas Ayi allegedly thanked her very much and gave her a bracha that in the schus of her lending svarim, of her concern for Lima Torah, she should be blessed with many, many good things. This apparently was the mother of the famous Reb Chaim Valajner, and perhaps not as famous, but the younger brother Reb Zalman Valajner, known in the world as Reb Zamala. Reb Chaim Valajner, of course, is well known and well for the founding the yeshiva of Valajin, for the Svarim Nefesh Achayim, other Ruach Chaim, other Svarim that he wrote, Reb Zalman was known as an outstanding genius. Unfortunately, he died at a very young age. So we have stories about him, we have legends about him, we know who we, a little bit about him, but he did not live long enough to be as world famous as his brother Reb Chaim, or according to some, he would have reached the level even of the Vilna Gon. The Shagasaye in his Sefer has Shailotu Tshuvot, which aren't the normal type of responsa to ask Kalachik Shailas. Rather, it deals with very, very famous topics, many of them in the world of Arachayim, in the world of Kriyashma, Shabbos, Tzitzis, Tfilin. When when I became by mitzvah, my father told me that in his community in Europe, the custom was that a younger fellow learned the Shagas Aryeh, and at his bar mitzvah would say over a Shagas Aryeh, adding whatever he could add, explaining whatever he could explain, and that was his responsibility. So my father asked, told me to do this, and I said, I my father chose with me the same Shagas Aryeh that my father had discussed when he was bar mitzvah, the Shagasai that relates to the issue whether uh, or not Shabbos and Yantif is an appropriate time to put on tefillin. We, of course, we pass you don't put on tefillin Shabbos and Yantif. The Shagasai discusses is it really just not appropriate or is it even usher? Is it really an Easter to put on tefillin Shabbos and Yantif? And the same would be true at nighttime if it's really an Easter or if it's just uh, not required, not done at night. The uh, Shagasaye is famous for many, many famous discussions that have been 
amplified and explained throughout the generation since the time of the Shagasai till this very day. Because of his poverty, and because of the state of Jewish literature, or books available at that time, it's interesting to see that many times the Shagas Aye quotes ideas, develops ideas, that are found in sources that he used. And then sometimes he argues with Rishonim, and sometimes he amplifies what they said. What's interesting to note is that today, when we have so many new editions, so many better editions, and so many new manuscripts were, which are published, it's interesting to see how many times the Shagas Aryeh anticipated or understood an op- opinion of Rishonim or an opinion of explanation of the Gemara, which at that time was considered revolutionary. And today we find its source in Rishonim. In the introduction to the Shagas Aryeh, which has been printed many, many different times. But in some of the editions, I have an edition at home that's printed by a, an organization called Shar Mishpat. In that, in their introduction, they mention a number, a number of places where the Shagas Aryeh said something, and people might have discussed the Shagas Aryeh, some agreed, some disagreed, and only today do we realize that the Shagas Aryeh certainly anticipated the correct interpretation, as we now have a source which corroborates his interpretation. One of the famous examples was a Shagasai about eating Marar on Pesach. The Shagasai interpreted the rush as saying that really you don't have to eat a Kazayas of Marar. The Torah says you have to eat Matzah, Marar, and Karban Pesach. So on the Karban Pesach you have to have Marar. How much Marar do you have to have? Not even not a shear. A matzah sumrom yochlu means you have to eat it together with matzah mar. I used to say jokingly, how much mar do you have to put on it? A little dab will do you. You just have to put on a a, a drop, a little bit of mar on the on the carbon pesach. However, today we eat mar without the carbon pesach because today we paskin there is a chiyuv de rabbanan, there's a rabbinic obligation to eat the mar. So, the, we eat the Mara, we do eat a Kazayas today. We do have to eat a Kazayas. The Rush made a comment, which the Shagasai interpreted to mean that the real reason that we eat a Kazayas of Mara today is because we make a bracha, Asher Kitchen Misrosa, but Sivanwal Achilas Mara. You can't make a bracha al Achilas Mara if you don't eat Mara. And since Achila is only a Kazayas, since eating must have a certain measure of kezayis. Therefore, you have to eat a kezayis of marah. And not because of the mitzvah of eating marah, not because of the obligation to eat marah, but because you make a bracha. Since you make a bracha, you have to eat. People have argued if this is really the interpretation of the rush. But you Rabbeinu Yerucham, now we have printed the sefer called Todos Adam Vechav of Rabbeinu Yerucham, who says almost more explicitly, he uses the words, Achakach Notel Marah, he 
He says, when you eat the Marah today, you have to eat a Kazayis. And he says the explanation, Ki bracha because when you said the Bracha, you called it eating. Apparently, this is the exact interpretation of the Shagasaye, who anticipated what we found in Rabbeinu Yerucham. And as I said before, there are many, many other examples of showing how the Shagasaye, but with his own acumen, somehow understood automatically opinions which only later could be verified. The Shagasai wrote other Sfarim, which are not as famous as the Shagasai, but nevertheless they're very important. There's a Sefer on Mesechtos of Moed called the Turi Evan, which of course is used extensively when you study those Mesechtos, Megillah and Chagiga. But another Sefer always interested me of the Shagasai, he wrote a sefer called Gvurasari on Maseches Tanis. Now, when I learned Tanis the first time, I sort of thought that this Maseches is almost completely agadic in nature. There's very little halachic material. Then I heard that the Shagas Ayi wrote a book about it. So I bought the sefer because I was curious to see how you can take a Maseches like Tanis and write a real Lamdash sefer about Maseches Tanis. Then I read the introduction to the Sefer, and the Shagasai himself said, the reason I wrote the Sefer is because I wanted to show that even Maseches Tanis, which does not seem to be a Lamdash Masechet, you, you see how much Lamdash there is in Maseches Tanis, and I wanted to develop that Lamdash. So the Shagasai is really known for his classic Sefer, Shagasai. His world-famous genius is shown not only in the Shagasai, but in the other Sfarim as well. Since the other Sfarim are done by Masechta, I said they are not as popular as the Shagasai, which was on general topics of Arachayim. These topics, as I said before, were used in Europe for bar mitzvah, as bar, for bar mitzvah preparation, and today they're well known whenever anybody's involved in the world of Arachayim, in the world of, of Yom Tov and Shabbos, the Shagasai is an indispensable Sefer. You've been listening to Rabbi Yamin Tavori discussing the Shagasaye whose yard site falls this week. Um, here's a bit of a uh, bit of homework for you. Pasuk Bilam says Balak says to uh, Bilam, he gets angry and for not successfully cursing the Jews. It says Lakov Oivai Lakhticha to curse, the many number of verbs meaning to curse, the one that's used here is lakov. Lakov oivay lekachticha v'inei berachta barech. Rav Akiva Eger pointed out that in the course of a year, there are 132 days when we don't say tachna. Now, this is obviously a little bit suspect because it's not the same number every year, but this is your homework. Sit down and try to figure out what the uh, how, how close this is to being accurate. There are 132 days when we don't say Tachman. 132 in Gematria is Lakov. There are 222 days when we do say Tachman. 222 is Barech. Now if you think about it, it should be the way around, no? Days which are cursed, we don't say Tachman. Days which are blessed, we do say Tachman. So, Rav explained that it was like this. 
לקוב אויבי לקחתיך, והנה בירכת ברך. קוב לקוב לקחתיך, והנה בירכת ברך, the Medrash says. That Balak said to Balaam, I took you to curse the Lakov days. There were 132 days when the, those are the good days. The Jews don't say Tachnun. They're Yimei Rachamim V'Ratzon. And I wanted you to curse those days and make them into be bad days. V'nei Beirach Tabarech. And you did the opposite. The exact opposite. You took the 222 days, which are Yimei Din, when they do say Tachnun, and you... Uh, put a bracha put a on them so in other words the 222 days Kminyan Barech are really days you made in they're the days which have a bracha because they're the days which Bil'am blessed and the days which are Lakov 132 days which are Yemei Rachamim Veratzon we don't say Tachnon they're called Lakov because those are the days which Bil'am was intended to to curse, to destroy the Yimei Rachamim Rachatzon for those days, but of course he didn't. He didn't. He didn't succeed. Helps you remember the numbers. Lakov, one thirty-two days without Tachnun. Barech, two hundred and twenty-two days with Tachnun. I'll be happy to hear from anybody who sat down, took a calendar, and checked it out down to the last down to the last day. And that's all we have for today. And I wish you all Shabbat Shalom, Ubracha, Vishtamea. We should hear from each other, and we should hear Kol Torah. We should continue to learn Torah. You've been listening to KMTT, Kimitzion, Tetzei Torah, Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim. KMTT, the Torah podcast. I'm here broadcasting from Alon Shrut, which is in Gush Etzion, Yeshivat Har Etzion. This has been Ezra Bek. Shabbat Shalom. Ubrachah.